Newsmakers is a production of Wisconsin Eye. To keep programs like this free and accessible to all, please consider a charitable gift to wisi.org slash donate or text WISI to 44321. This program is brought to you from Wisconsin Eye's Margaret Farrow Studio. Judge Janet Protasiewicz is a candidate in Wisconsin's race for state Supreme Court. The primary election is February 21st. The general election is April 4th. Judge Protasiewicz, welcome to Wisconsin Eye. Thank you for having me. Wisconsin Eye's mission is to inspire civil dialogue and informed civic participation. With that in mind, why are you running for this office? I'll tell you, I started thinking about it last April and started thinking about how our Supreme Court currently operates. And I decided that it is time for us to bring change to our Supreme Court, to bring common sense to our Supreme Court, to get away from all the extremism, to get away from all the partisanship, to have decisions that are actually rooted in the law. And that is why I decided to run. You mentioned extremism. The court is currently considered to have uh, a four to three conservative control, and this election is thought to potentially determine the ideological control of the court. Do you agree with that assessment, and do you think ideological balance is important on the court? I agree with it up to a point. I think that we have a very, very unique opportunity to have four justices on our Supreme Court who are going to do just that, uphold the law and follow the Constitution that there's not going to be a thumb on the scale against people who come into the courtroom. But, you know, we talk about, you know, different issues, and people will say, okay, you're labeled a progressive, and that means you're just progressive. And I say, sure, in regard to social issues, but, you know, there are so many issues that, you know, cross the entire spectrum of people from the far left to the far right, community safety, right? Spent my entire career in the district attorney's office, you know, protecting victims, upholding community safety, doing my best to keep people protected. You know, other issues like fairness and integrity, they run from the left to the right. So yes, there is an opportunity for us to have four justices who might be considered justices who are going to move forward with, you know, our Wisconsin values and, you know, uphold our laws and have decisions that are rooted in the law. So Supreme Court races are nonpartisan. We've just been talking about this perceived ideological balance. How would you describe your own personal judicial identity? My judicial identity is for always for fairness, for integrity, for anybody coming in front of me anytime to know that they're going to get a fair shot, to know that I'm going to look at the law, to know that I'm going to be independent, to know that nothing is predetermined, no extremism, no thumb on the scale. You know, it's really interesting. We had a forum in Madison about a month ago, and all four of the candidates were asked what we thought about a recusal rule. And I'll say that three of my four opponents, they all said, we don't need a recusal rule. I was the lone wolf <laughs> who said the state of Wisconsin, the Supreme Court, absolutely needs a recusal rule and that the public should be able to weigh in. What a recusal rule would do, it would mean that a justice would step aside or step back 
on a particular case if, you know, substantial financial contributions from, you know, somebody that's part of that litigation, you know, were before them. So, you know, for instance, if a substantial amount of money of independent expenditures came in in regard to a Supreme Court justice, let's say millions of dollars, that's what is likely to happen in this race. Shouldn't that justice have to step back and not be part of that case if one of those funders is actually appearing in front of the court or one of their interests are appearing in front of the court? So, you know, I really, really want to bring back our Supreme Court to fairness and integrity and, you know, making sure that the public respects our court and knows that everybody who appears there is always going to get a fair shot. That's what's so critically important. You've been a judge who has been embraced by progressives and liberals um, and who've been promoting your candidacy. How do you specifically intend to demonstrate a demeanor that doesn't contribute to the partisan divide that we have in the state? I'll tell you this. I really like people, and I really like calm people who get along together. You know, I think our Supreme Court is making a lot of strides in the right direction. I'll tell you this, whether I agree with someone, whether I don't agree with someone, I will always treat them with respect. I will always have an open mind and listen to what they have to say and why their analysis might be different from my analysis. I actually think we can have a Supreme Court where minds can differ, but where there can be collegiality and where people can actually get along. Um, abortion, uh, election administration, legislative redistricting are all expected to be issues that would come before the court following the election. You have said publicly that the electoral maps are rigged, um, that they're unfair. Your ads currently promoting your support for abortion rights. Your opponents say that those comments um, indicate that your actions on the court will be politically motivated and not you know, embedded in the law. How do you react to that criticism? Well, I'll tell you, it's frustrating when one hears that because every single person, <laughs> every person who's walking around in any community has opinions and has values and has thoughts. And I think the electorate is entitled to know what your values are, to know what your thoughts are, to know what your opinions are. So I've been candid about what I think about a variety of different issues. I have been equally candid and clear that in the end, any decision that I make or render will be rooted on the law and the Constitution. You can separate those. 100%. You know, I have to do it every day at my you know, day job as a circuit court judge in Milwaukee. You know, you have to make decisions that, you know, you might not like a statute, you follow it, you follow the law, that's what you do. That's what your role is. You know, we've been trained, you know, I was trained in the district attorney's office, you have to think critically, you have to think logically. You've got to put aside your personal thoughts and your personal opinions. Am I able to do that here? Of course, it's no different. On the issue of abortion, how do you explain the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling to bring that abortion debate back to the states? Well, I'm not sure how it's going to come in front of our Wisconsin Supreme Court. I can tell you this. If either one of my opponents on the far right is elected on April 4th, that abortion ban is going to stay in place. It's absolutely going to stay in place. I have no doubt about that. 
I don't know how it's going to be presented to the Supreme Court. I have no idea who's going to bring the litigation, you know, what the issues are going to be, what the arguments are going to be, what the briefs are going to say. But I can tell you if and when that comes in front of our Supreme Court. And if the people of this state elect me, I will take a good, clean, clear look at it, obviously. Do you have an opinion on how Wisconsin should move forward on the abortion law? Well, the abortion law is there now. So, you know, the law is in place. Whether you agree with that law or you don't agree with that law, you have to comply with it, right? And so, you know, I've been talking to people and people are telling me that they're telling family members who are making a very critical medical decision, you're either going to need to go to the state of Illinois or you're going to need to go to Minneapolis, right? I've been talking to people, you know, about these issues. Like I said, I don't know how the issue is going to be framed when it comes in front of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, you know, what the specific arguments are going to be. Like I said, I will take a look at it if and when it comes. This fall, Wisconsin voters voted for or elected a Democratic governor, a Republican U.S. senator, and both uh, the GOP gained seats in both the state assembly and the state senate. Those elections were um, brought about in some ways by the redistricting of our legislative maps. Uh, They were drawn with the least change approach. Did the state Supreme Court get it right by insisting on a least change approach? I would say that I agree with the dissent (laughs) in regard to the maps. I agree with the dissent. And I think what you just said, in part, is what I have been saying to people all over the state of Wisconsin. We just elected a Democratic governor. We just elected a Republican United States senator. We just elected a Democratic attorney general. We just elected a Republican state treasurer. What does that all tell you? It tells you that races in the state of Wisconsin are very, very hard-fought races. They're also very close races. That's what we're dealing with in the state of Wisconsin. And then you look at the makeup of our state assembly and our state senate, and you have to say to yourself, 65% of the seats are red? Something's wrong. Something's not adding up here. I don't know how you could explain, quite frankly, to any rational person that our maps in the state of Wisconsin are fair. They're known across the country to be amongst the most gerrymandered maps in the nation. What should happen with Wisconsin's legislative maps? Well, I would anticipate, I would anticipate that some type of challenge or litigation will come to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. I would also anticipate if the voters of the state elect me to the Supreme Court, that's an issue I would like to see litigated, that I would like to hear that I would like to listen to the arguments about and, um, you know, revisit it, absolutely. The court is also likely to hear issues related to the environment and regulation. Can you point to a case, uh, case law on environmental issues that outlines how you might approach that balance between um, the role of government regulation and consumer interests, business interests? Sure. The United States Supreme Court, you know, just within the last year, um, certainly curtailed the, the um, you know, regulatory agency's ability to get involved with and have more regulations in regard to the environment. I would agree with the, again, with that United States Supreme Court's dissent on that particular case. And it's interesting. You know, I come from an urban area. I have been campaigning 
for close to a year. I've been campaigning all over the state. And I tell people, this is not a Milwaukee County where I'm from race. This is not a Dane County where I am right now race. This is a statewide race. So I am so interested in hearing what people think about. I've had farmers tell me in small communities, we hand down our family farm generation to generation to generation. That's what we do. We're losing the ability to do that because of the contaminants in our soil and in our water. I was talking to people in Barnevold, and they're like, look at those big electrical generators on the interstate. Look at them. Okay, we're not complaining about them because they're, you know, unappealing to look at, though they are. <laughs> we're complaining about them because of what they've done to the environment, what it's done to the soil, what it's done to the wildlife. You know, so it is, you know, so interesting to me to go around the state and hear people talk to me about their environmental concerns and you'll see it firsthand and understand firsthand from that farmer who said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hand this farm down any longer because of what's happening with the water and the soil. And the people in Barnevold and the people in the Driftless regions of the state saying, look what's happening to our wildlife. It's being curtailed and we don't feel like we have enough input. That being said, I would anticipate environmental issues will come before our Wisconsin Supreme Court. And I will tell you that they will all be looked at very, very carefully with an open mind and a mind toward applying the law, of course. Uh, State Supreme Court, Court justices are many things and they are certainly writers. Is there a judicial writer who you admire, who inspires you? I will tell you that Ruth Bader Ginsburg inspires me and she inspires me every day. Her decisions are beautifully thought out and beautifully written. And she has been an inspiration, I think, to generations of women in this country and her work ethic. I mean, you would see the stories and hear the stories about her being in her office at the Supreme Court until late into the hours of the night. And her family would have to come and drag her home and say, Ruth, You've got to eat something. You've got to get some sleep, right? And that kind of dedication that she had and her ability to weave words together. Uh, elected officials sometimes change their mind over time on important issues. They might be motivated by polls. They might be motivated by life experiences of some kind. Do you have any examples of an, of an important issue on which you changed your mind over time? I would tell you this. You evolve, right? you evolve. I remember when I first started in the district attorney's office and I had an assignment in children's court dealing with abused and neglected children. And I think I was 28 or 29 years old with no children of my own, with you know no background in child psychology, with no background in child development, and trying to make these decisions that are in the best interests of children. And you evolve and you learn and you work hard to learn as to how you are going to really you know, serve the community the best. In regard to um, legal issues, you know, I think every single day your eyes are opened. You know, your eyes are open to humanity and how you want to serve people and how you want to serve the community. And you, know, you, you recognize, I think, as you get older, you recognize that you know, I can get up in the morning I have breakfast, I get in my car, 
I drive to work, I park in my parking spot, and I can go and do my job for eight hours. No matter how challenging it is, I can do that. And I look at the people who appear in front of me and I think, okay, you probably didn't have that hot breakfast this morning. You had to get, you had to rely on either, you know, one of your friends or family members to try to get you to the courthouse, or you had to take public transportation. And you know, your position in this world is so much, you know, it's, it's different, it's more challenging, it's harder for you to be able to cope with your day-to-day -day responsibilities. I try to remember that every single day when I'm in court and dealing with the litigants that I deal with, that people have a lot of challenges. And, you know, you really want to be open-minded to that in every single one of the courts that we have. That, you know, people are coming to you from their particular, you know, place in life, which may or may not be very different from your place in life, and that everybody needs to be treated, you know, with humanity and kindness and respect. What sets you apart from the other candidates, in particular your um, fellow liberal and progressive candidate colleague? So I consider um, my candidate on the left, my I call him my, you know, my friendly competitor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, absolutely everybody has a right to run for office, and I respect him a great deal. But we're very different people with very different, you know, experiences. I worked in the district attorney's office for 25 years before I decided to, you know, run for the bench. You know, I have had, you know, you know, tremendous experience, you know, in children's court, in juvenile court, in adult court, um, as an assistant district attorney, prosecuting some of the most challenging cases in our community. As a judge, I just finished a three-year, I call it a tour of duty, quite frankly, in homicide sexual assault court. Those are really challenging cases. I quite frankly don't think anybody's experience, anybody in this race, can touch what I've done for the last three years. Before that, I did two years in a really high-intensity drug court. Before that, a domestic violence court. I've also been very active in the community. I've taught at Marquette Law School. Teach um, people to try to be really, really good advocates, trial advocacy. I've taught for the United States Department of Justice, teaching prosecutors to be the best prosecutor that they can possibly be. So I've got a lot of experience, broad experience, life experience. If you take a look at the endorsements, I was delighted today that United States Senator Herb Cole endorsed my campaign. Two of the current sitting Supreme Court justices in this state have endorsed my campaign, Ann Walsh Bradley and Rebecca Dallet, and as has Lisa Neubauer. We have tremendous support across the state. I think tremendous support that quite frankly dwarfs anybody else's support. And broad wide support, you know, from every single part of this state. We've been doing very, very well with our fundraising. <laughs> We've worked hard to do well with our fundraising. I don't attribute that to all of our hard work, though we have worked hard all day, every day. I think it's that people all over the state recognize how high the stakes are in this race, how much they want change, how much they want common sense on the Supreme Court, how much they want that integrity to be back, the respect for the institution back. So, you know, we have been able to, you know, fundraise, which allows us to get our message out <laughs> to the people in the state of Wisconsin. Is there anything that's been reported about you in the media that you'd like to clarify? We're asking all candidates that question. 
You know, I think that there was just an article this morning about me that I was, you know, didn't follow the prosecutor's recommendation. I went beneath it on a couple of cases. I haven't had time to read the article. <laughs> you know, I was in Eau Claire this morning. I've been all over, you know, Madison today. But to that I say, you know, I'm an independent jurist. You know, I worked in that office. Doesn't mean I'm always going to follow their recommendation. That's not what the people of this state have elected me to do. I'm a common-sense judge who believes that everybody should be treated fairly, everybody should be treated impartially, and on top of that, I'm a huge believer in community safety. I've spent my career, you know, protecting the community. You've mentioned some of your endorsements that you've received. Is there any one endorsement that you see as really kind of um, messaging that you can and should win this race? Well, I'll tell you, the endorsements that came on early were extremely helpful. Justice Rebecca Dallet, Judge Lisa Neubauer, you know, um, here in Dane County, you know, State Senator Kelda Royce, you know, your former county executive, Kathleen Falk. I think when, you know, you have people who are really, really rooted in a community and are really well-respected, wanting to help you and endorse your candidacy, you know, that really helps things, you know, take off as you move down the line. This race is expected to break records in campaign spending. You mentioned that a little bit. Um, it's also unprecedented spending from out-of-state groups. You are currently the leader in fundraising and recent campaign finance reports. You raised a half million dollars more than the other three candidates combined. What are your thoughts on the level of outside spending and influence in this particular race? Well, I have not been the beneficiary, to my knowledge, of any outside spending yet. Every single, you know, dollar <laughs> that you've just talked about is what we have fundraised, what my campaign has fundraised. And it's, I believe, for the reasons that we've discussed earlier, what people are looking for in this race. However, you know, we are in a position where we all have to navigate and maneuver and deal with the fact that that Citizens United case is controlling law where outside expenditures can come into these races. I don't know how much money is going to come into this race. I don't know what it's going to take to continue to message. And, you know, I don't know how much outside money any particular candidate is going to receive. I just don't know. But I do know that this race has generated considerable attention. You know, I have been interviewed by CNN, by the BBC, you know, Vanity Fair, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the New Yorker. And I think that what is in common, the common denominator is people think that Wisconsin is a microcosm of the entire country. And they want to see what the people of Wisconsin think. And they want to see how this election is going to unfold come April 4th. Is all that attention and money good or bad or indifferent? I think the attention is very, very good. It's very good. I hope that it motivates the people in this state to be attuned to this election, to get out and vote. You know, spring elections are typically lower turnout elections. We're an off-year spring election, a lower turnout election typically. I think that all of the attention, hopefully, will make people in the state of Wisconsin take note, pay attention and say, you know, these are really important issues that are going to be coming before our Wisconsin Supreme Court. Our integrity, our integrity of our court is on the line. Change, common sense, everything is on the line. 
in regard to the financial aspect that you just asked me about, do I think it's good or bad or indifferent? I don't think my personal opinion matters because that is the arena that we are operating under when all of these independent expenditures are allowed, quite frankly. You know, I saw something in the paper about Dan Kelly bragging about how much outside money he is going to be getting to run his campaign. Is that frustrating to hear? Sure, but that is the arena that we are operating in. The state is clearly uh, politically divided. Uh, Americans' confidence in the U.S. U.S. Supreme Court is kind of at all-time lows, sharply lower than even in the last year. As a justice on the state Supreme Court, what would you do to preserve and build public confidence in the court? Well, I hope, I really hope that the public would sit back and say, look at this. There are now at least four justices who are going to follow the law and uphold the Constitution, that that partisanship is going to be gone, that that extremism is going to be gone. You know, my goal when somebody comes into my courtroom, you know, you let's go back to that homicide sexual assault court. Somebody was always walking out unhappy. You know, you were making decisions that one side was maybe going to like and the other side certainly wasn't going to. My goal always was that every single person who came into my courtroom, who comes into my courtroom, feels like they've had a fair shake. They might say, I didn't like that result, but I was listened to and she applied the law and I wasn't treated unfairly and I don't, felt, I don't feel like anything was predetermined before I stepped a foot in that courtroom. And that's what we want to bring back. We want to bring back all of that independence. We want to get away from that extremism. We want to do be that change to put our Supreme Court back where it should be. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and best of luck in the campaign. Thank you so much. Judge Janet Protasewicz is a candidate in the Wisconsin race for state Supreme Court. The primary is February 21st, general election April 4th. Judge Protasewicz, again, thank you for talking to Wisconsin Eye. Well, thank you for having me. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civic broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel -gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol.